dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. You're not sorry. With the doc, people. I read oh, no, it. I read I it. I was just on mute. I'm sorry. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. It's at the bottom of the doc, Matt. You need to put it at the top. Yeah, oh, you need to read the whole doc. You're listening to Before the Dragon. This, I get put on the spot. I thought we were done with top fives. All right, top five. <laughs> only at the top of the dock. Don't worry. <laughs> Aegon even just having this dream clearly proves that the magic has a plan. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. We're always drowning over here, Matt. Like, that's nothing new. We're just, like, slowly drowning welcome to the before the dragon podcast matt here with you and i am joined once again by holly who is not dead holly is not dead however in order to make her not dead we had to sacrifice two other podcasters both susan and kelly can't be with us tonight uh for reasons that they have and we wish them well wherever they are i do also have john with me surprisingly he survived halloween all of the killing sprees from the movies and everything that he was reviewing from the wicked wild podcast did not come out of the screen and kill him so everybody is here um and except for uh, kelly and susan who we sacrificed it's our season wrap-up of house of the dragon season one hey we're only a little late i just had a bunch of stuff to do in november and it's my fault absolutely my fault uh everybody was ready and willing to go two weeks ago and i said hold up no now something's on my plate and we're trying to get this done before the end of the year so that you can remember to keep us in your subscription feeds and all of that stuff uh, we do promise some content next year, even though there won't be any new House of the Dragon. There will be some content sporadically throughout next year, probably less sporadically uh, than it was for two whole years between Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon or more. But since we've been gone and I've been busy, it's time to issue our happy name day wishes to a whole slew of people, both for November and for December. Happy name day. <laughs> Happy name day to Natalia Tenna, who of course is Tonks from Harry Potter and Osha from the Game of Thrones series that we know and love. She's also my favorite accordion player, born November 1st. Richard Dormer, who never dies because he's Beric Dondarrion, was born on November 11th. Harry Lloyd, one of the voices that Holly absolutely loves and forbids me to ever impersonate again. He is also the best Viserys in all of A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, born November 17th. Alexander Siddig, who, of course, is Dorian or Doran uh, Bashir Martell. He was born November 21st. Conleth Hill, who played recently on Magpie Murders. Uh, If you saw him, he had hair. He was also a complete butthole, much more so than Varys was in Game of Thrones. Born November 24th. Christian Yarn, Hodor. Hodor. Holly, give me a Hodor. Hodor. Uh, John, give me a Hodor. 
Hodor. Yeah, that's better. November 25th was his birthday. Jefferson Hall, who played Lord Jason Lannister, and I suppose played Tyland Lannister as well. Uh, December 6th. And uh, here's a name that I'll just butcher. Anybody want to take a stab at this name? We know that he plays Tormund, but it's Christopher Hivzu? I don't know how to say Swedish names, uh, so I apologize, or Nord Nordic names. Uh, I apologize. December 6th, uh, Chris, oh, let's see, Clive Russell, who played the Blackfish uh, in all of like three or four episodes. I think he was there a little bit more in season three of Game of Thrones, but December 7th also, Bethany Antonia, who plays Bella, Bella Targaryen, uh, in our current series, is a Christmas baby born December 25th. Kit Harrington, who appropriately played Jon Snow in the month of December, was born on December 26th. That's the same birthday as my sister. Happy birthday to my sister, Amanda. Uh, although I'll see you before uh, you would ever listen to this podcast, I'm sure. Olivia Cook, who is everybody's WikiFeet champion this year, including Lord Laris. Uh, December 27th, uh, of course, she plays Allison Hightower in our current series. Happy name day to all of those folks. I have a question. Hey, Matt, yes. There, there's another name day, I believe, on this podcast. Oh, whose name day is that? I think John has a birthday or has had a birthday or is going to have a birthday soon. Um, in roughly, a, well, if we're going down to the hour, it's not until tomorrow afternoon around one. So, oh, okay. But so, yeah, tomorrow, as we sit here and record tomorrow's on birthday. November 30th, John, I got something for you. Podcast and wise tells us that he was born on November 30th. Uh, so he's an end of the month, baby. Yeah. End of the month, baby. Happy name day. Happy name day. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Happy name day. You know what? There's a question uh, that I want to ask you guys. And that is out of all of these actors slash characters, who is most likely to fart in front of their significant other and then Ooh. make a joke about it? Uh, well, I go right for a Christopher Hibjew. Christopher Hibjew, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that would be very, well. Uh, him and Tormund alike, I believe, would uh, that would be very good. Uh, I got Olivia Cook. I think she's probably got a sick, sick sense of humor, uh, especially after letting everybody gawk at her feet for like two weeks, so um that's pretty interesting who you got holly okay y'all have really good and i'm just gonna go with the i think the next best guess uh natalia tenna i think would also uh rip one in front of anybody i don't think it would matter a significant other or not excellent oh very good on to some serious subjects folks very serious this is where we break it down we talk about our overall season ratings and we tell you exactly why we're right well why why who's right john holly she's always oh. right yeah oh. that's exactly what happens uh around here everybody will disagree with my rating probably my because my rating overall for the season is going to go down 
But Holly, let's start with you. Your overall rating for season one and how did it compare to where you were giving each episode? Was it being in the moment? Was it uh, on any retrospect uh, in comparison to other Game of Thrones-like television-like series? What do you think? I think for the episodes I recall rating since I wasn't on all of them, I think I was pretty, I was pretty fair and self-aware of not trying to go too high or too low. Um, I think I would give the season eight and a half out of 10. Um, and looking, I have to hmm, physically look back. I don't remember. I don't recall, but I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty fair uh, in my overall season rating. It seems to line up with where I was throughout the season. Excellent. Uh, John, you go ahead and then I'll go. Okay. Um, I was a little bit lukewarm on the very first episode and I've watched it a couple times since then. I still stand by that. However, I think this is way better than we all expected. I, I don't think I, it, I wouldn't have guessed in a bazillion years. It would have been this good after game of Thrones weighing in. So I would give it a solid nine. I was itching towards a 10 just because the after I've seen it a couple times now, I'm like, this was so good, but wow. it can't be a 10. You got to leave room for improvement. You have to, because I know what's coming and there's so many good things coming. That's true. That's true. We all speak from a perspective of having looked at uh, the chapters from George's book, Fire and Blood and, and knowing, well, not only that, but having read the Dance of Dragons and what have you uh, from novellas years prior as well and the world of ice and fire it's it's a story that's been retold seven dozen times uh and it'll be interesting to see how it's told with this one uh this time around uh with ryan condal and and george is working closely with him evidently so i feel like it will be something that I, some of the interpretations as we've already seen in this prior season uh were a little surprising uh but none but not earth shaking you know, nothing to the point where it felt like uh, uh, the, the the ire that was at uh, D&D &D, uh, for ruining the end that nobody knows is actually going to happen <laughs> one way or the other because it's up to George to get to the book. Uh, here, there were some clear choices to make and some surprising choices were made. So I th applaud Ryan Condal and Miguel uh, Shaposhnik for doing that. But. I went in with every week with a whole bunch of a whole lot of enthusiasm, um, maybe talking myself much more into the episodes uh, as we talked about them um, than a, a kind of a reflective thing. There were several places where the season dragged to me upon rewatching it a second mm. time. And um, I, that's fine. Uh, every show has those moments or anything. Um, usually those moments tend to pay off a little more immediately. Some of these things, I think, because we see the books you know, or we've read the books, we can see some things where it might have drug out a little bit or, or, or slowed down a little bit to really dig into some things where we might see that pay off a little later uh, or we might not. And it, it will depend on how well the show is run from here. Uh, but I'm only going to go an 8.7, and I had rated almost everything over a 9, a 9 or higher 
um, this season. In fact, I think my lowest rating was an 8.9. But I do want to give this series a chance to really grow and make some of those slow things like the episode three, which I got up on a table and I stood around and said, oh, it's about character. And we've got to do all of these things for character. And, you know, and not much of what came out of that character wise really paid off. Um, the only thing that did was maybe Viserys um, talking to his wife about the dream that he'd had uh, about Aegon uh, or seeing a crown being placed on a boy's head and whatever. And then, of course, that led her to completely misinterpret what he was saying at the end when he thought he was talking to his daughter, Rhaenyra. Um, but that's just me. Uh, again, 8.7 is not a bad score at all. It's slightly higher than Holly's. It's slightly lower than John's. Put me right in the middle. And, uh, you know, I'm, that way I'm the only one who has no credibility with you rating episodes in the future because I'll rate them too high and then I'll pull them back later. That's the way that that goes. Hmm. Uh, you describing your uh, experience watching it, though, really just made me want to make mine a rating because, as you pointed out, um, they have Ryan's been working with uh, with George R. R. Martin, so they, he has that connection. But one thing D and D probably get too much credit for is leaning really hard into George's dialogue. And that's not something we have in fire and blood. Um, and I still think they did an incredible job uh, with these like two hander scenes, all of these conversations, which are not lifted straight from the book. Like they are in the first four to four and a half, five seasons of uh, game of Thrones. And then which, you know, kind of considerably goes downward in game of thrones whereas here they we don't he, he's, he doesn't have any of that and he's managed to pull it off so if anything you saying that just kind of reminded me of that and i want to actually rate my uh put my rating a little bit higher because i really is uh fantastic too late too late no okay. i know I, I, I want to say i do agree with you though about the the pacing in some of the episodes is definitely a little bit slower, but I do think it pays off. I think it pays off for Viserys, especially and, mm. and Patty's performance. Um, and it's, and it's worth it because go, I'm going back. Episode three was probably like my lower episode, but it's so much better now just going and appreciating everything he did. Um, and the other things too. So crappy stag CGI still drags it down for me always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Holly said swear. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. Holly says <laughs> swears all the time. All the time. I do I do swear. This I I do so swear. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. I guess we'll have to see. Uh, what kind of thing we can fixate on. Twitter will long be dead by then. By the way, folks, if you have want to tell us <laughs> your right. rating for the season, uh, you can still, at the time of the recording of this podcast, you can still tweet to at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter. You can also use that same handle, youtube.com slash at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod uh, to find our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Uh, as John likes to say, hit that bell, yo. Uh, and That's get right. those notifications. <laughs>
and uh you know do all of that stuff leave comments there as well we we really enjoy getting your feedback as always you can continue to send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com m-a-t-t-s-audioblog at gmail.com you can also use that same spelling for the website and leave comments on our posts there at mattsaudioblog.com and you can use that same spelling now on hive hive social uh where we are starting to migrate to just in case um, nobody comes in and saves Twitter, uh, which doesn't seem too likely, uh, considering the direction it's headed. But uh, we're going to be there till the end. Uh, as John was telling me before we started recording, he just wants to watch it burn, and so do I. Uh, so we, we're we're there for the we're there for the very end. Uh, we will not uh, flee town until everything is in flames. Uh, so you can continue to reach us there uh, as well. And I think that's all I wanted to say about that. But we want to hear your ratings because who cares what we think, as they like to say over at Double P, as I steal from Bubba yet again, who cares what we think? Uh, we care what you think. Um, well, I guess we care what we think, but that's, you know, may or may not be important to you at all. <laughs> So uh, let's move on to some fun discussing points, uh, and that is our awards uh, for this season of House of the Dragon. Uh, because Holly says swears all of the time, uh, we've decided to call this the Holly Bleep Awards. There will be no honorable mentions. Everybody just says who they think is the winner of these categories. None of our none of our categories are your typical categories. Uh, well, some of them are, but some of them are not. And uh, we'll start with our least uh, one that you cannot apply uh, to many other shows, maybe a couple of shows, but not very many shows. We'll start with the favorite dragon, favorite dragon for this season one of house of the dragon i want to know holly what you awarded this award to or which dragon you awarded it to it was tough but i think just because of the amount of screen time he got and his just unusual unusual body shape and his sweet little sound he makes i'm giving it to caraxes there is absolutely no surprise there when we were naming our top five dragons. Um, I think that everybody apologized when Caraxes was not their number one dragon. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I'll be the basic girl who likes Caraxes the best, but yeah. Yeah. There's no way that that dragon can fly. It's not anatomically possible no, for something to do a little squirrely thing as it's climbing uh, look, from just he, 10 feet off the ground. If you look at his wings, he's got like these like kind of extra long wings. He can kind of, he's got like this gliding action. He's more of like a flying squirrel dragon. It's cute. I have no response to that. John, who is your favorite dragon? This will be no surprise to me because I think you've already said it in one of our prior podcasts. Yeah, no. And I guess it would be for, for consistency's sake, everyone can, um, if you already listened, you already know the answer. But who doesn't love a good serenade for good old Vermithor? Oh, Vermithor. Vermithor it was an excellent choice. It was your great number one. I don't think that it was nearly as neat as your number two favorite character being Lord Beesberry. But 
uh, I did kind of make you uh, go back and forth between lists when we did that. So uh, that, you know, I did, Lord Beesbury, though, that was an excellent pull uh, for our favorite, second favorite character out of a top five. Mine. Um, I'm going to go with Sea Smoke merely for the fact that it's one that Kelly can never identify. <laughs> I, I think that uh, that I I had I don't think I did my top fives of anything uh, in our season closer. I think I just tortured everybody else into doing theirs. Yeah, I'm gonna go Sea Smoke, Sea uh, Smoke, and Lenor. Now I have no idea why Sea Smoke is still evidently hanging around as he is at this end of season one, according to uh, was it Damon uh, that mentioned mm -hmm. that possibly Sea Smoke was still around. Uh, why did he not go across the narrow sea and follow Lenor across there? And everybody would have just thought that he flew off. Um, but evidently, uh, Lenor had uh, instilled some allegiances of sea smoke to this Valarian family. And so, therefore, uh, sea smoke is still around, still very identifiable, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, he's got a he's got that great mustache. I don't know, like he's the only one with facial hair, you know, facial hair scales. I don't know how do you miss that, Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> there was a fourth dragon. Um <laughs> anyway, so we're done we're done picking on Kelly. We're done picking on Kelly. What do we, we got? Miss on... you Kelly. Sorry. <laughs> Let's spin the wheel to decide what our next topic will be. Holly, uh what did it land on? It landed on the most overrated scene Ooh. most overrated scene john why don't you start us off with this one man I, it's so funny like i as soon as you said it, i'm like okay what was the most overrated scene <laughs> i mean coming prepared I, I, as always I, I i mean i'm just trying to think it's like in terms of overrated i'm i i unfortunately didn't participate too much in like everybody's um like online conversations this season, like I have in the past, but um, th this is really, it's still a good scene, but it, uh, this is so tough. This is super, super tough for me. Cause I liked all the scenes. I can tell you what my least favorite scene is, but I'm sure we're going to talk about that later, but okay. most overrated. And see, I only say it's overrated because everybody was saying was like, Viserys's like last like breaths and last scenes. I, everybody loved on them so much. It feels like that would be the technically most overrated because everyone loved them so much. But I loved them too. So I, I mean, <laughs> so is it most overrated? But you just didn't love it as much as everybody else, maybe? right? I mean, it was good. It was really good. But everyone was like gushing over it to a higher degree than I was. Doesn't take anything away. But I guess that would be my qualifier is slightly overrated for me, but still great. I like that as a choice. Uh, if it weren't for Ramin's score and my appreciate appreciation of of what he did with it during Viserys's twenty minute walk to the throne, I think uh, that that probably would have been my most overrated scene as well. Before I get to mine, though, uh, Holly, what was your most overrated scene? So going by, I don't know if this is going to fit John's very fair uh, definition of overrated but i think it's definitely overrated for me personally because i've from the jump i've not really been a fan of this but 
I'm gonna say the most overrated scene was the big prophecy reveal at the end of episode one. Mm, I like that one. That's a great choice. And it's and not that it's a bad scene. It's like I don't think it's a bad scene. I just think uh, I still feel like, oh, why do we need to? Why did we need to connect this with the other series? And even though that has paid off to a degree, I still would be fine without it. Um, I'll. And that's how I feel. So um, that's my overrated scene. That's interesting. Uh, do you also feel that it's overrated simply because of the way that everybody reacted to it? Yes. Um, yes. I, I think I'm using kind of that as a qualifier uh, because people did have big reactions to it. And some people seem to like it or at least be like, whoa, or just things are like I, people talked about it a lot. I don't think there was a lot of negative negative things um i not from what i heard maybe i'm sure there's people out there that also didn't like it like i did but yeah i'm going i'm going with it being overrated i'm going to the other end of that same episode i'm going to the prologue uh mm. and here's why Fair. because uh it didn't really establish much of anything other than rainy's not being queen and giving her her nickname it also, because of that scene that you found overrated, Holly, I feel like that it kind of defeated some p- points of that. Um, who told who told Viserys about the prophecy? He wasn't part of the line. Well, he, he was. wasn't part of the original line, right? Jaehaerys could have told him after. Jaehaerys would have had to have told him after, but you know, there's no mention of that. There's yeah. and, and it, it just feels it feels like. It, all of the things that it was set up to, except to say that it's 200 years before Daenerys, uh, pretty much didn't matter for the whole rest of the season. Um, except for maybe the fact that it set a precedent that a woman shouldn't sit on the throne. And that was what Rhaenyra was fighting. Um, but you could have looked at any episode of Game of Thrones and saw how challenging a prospect of a queen unless she blows up a sept uh or, or or burns down king's landing there's not much prospect of a woman being a queen in westeros according to all of the lords and the and the society so i didn't really need to see history repeat itself over 200 years ago uh, yes it was cool to see jaharis wasn't that big of a deal we got two minutes of him opening a scroll from a way oversized <laughs> box uh, I get to see Heron Hall, like the Great Hall and Heron Hall, all in ruins. I thought, I think that's my favorite part of the prologue scene right there is just that view of Heron Hall, which we hadn't seen before. And it was all lit up and full of people, just the scale of it. Um, that's my favorite part. Didn't okay. Well, you. there you sorry, go. But... See, I'm wrong once again. Why, no, you're John? Not wrong. You're not why, wrong. Why, John? You're not wrong. Holly's always right. Yeah, there you go. You're not wrong. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just was like, oh, that, you know, that's my favorite thing about the scene. I actually think you're right. That's, it is an overrated scene for the reasons you're saying. All right. Uh, let's let you interrupt again. Spin that wheel. <laughs> John, I can't see it. Where did it land? I well, we we started with overrated. We might as well go to the next one, as the wheel would say, most underrated scene. Okay, most underrated scene. Uh, 
I would normally say it's my turn to go first, but I I need an idea for this one. So Holly, you go ahead. Okay. And um <laughs> I wish I really wish Kelly was here. Um, because for me, I really had a hard time with choosing this one. Um so for me, I'm I went with the intro. I think the intro is underrated. I think too many people hate the intro. I actually really like it. I like how they change it. I think it's really smart. I think I the fact that I don't get it, like I'm like, oh man, like I can't even pick up. It goes so fast. You really have to like dig to figure oh. out what it is they're telling you, which is probably an argument against it. But I also just think it's neat and very engaging. Um. So yeah, that that's that's my underrated scene is with, the scene we get every week with the intro. Well, it, but it changes every week, or at least it changed some throughout the course of the season. And eventually, uh, after Kelly launches Kelly's Dragons podcast and she comes uh, back because she realizes that getting 5,000 subscribers is hard, um, then we will uh, find out exactly what went into that intro sequence. And uh, she's going to school us on all of that because uh, as in her usual self, she's probably created spreadsheets and taken photographs and and, um, done some real analyzing and some math and all of those smart things that Kelly does. And her and Susan will probably be able to uh, carry that for us once they come back from the dead. Uh, that's an excellent choice. I, I I like that choice. John, what was your choice for most underrated scene? Again, it's all it's all contextual in terms of everyone's opinion. And the only reason why I'm going to say this is underrated is because of the scene that uh, comes at the very end of the series, pretty much that kind of like eclipses it. But it's the um, the last scene between Luke and Rhaenyra where they're uh, where they're basically you don't know they're saying goodbye forever but they are and mm. he, he's having moments of doubt and i mean it's very very sweet very tender and it's really shows you the difference between uh rhaenyra and allison like the relationship it's just good scene it's super super good my most underrated scene is also going to come because of the way that it paid off at the end of the season um, in fact, the very last shot, I'm going to go to that episode that I really don't like episode three, and I'm going to go to the boar and the way that Rhaenyra takes it out. And because that anger just fire, you know, just pouring out of her in that moment, the frustration, the anger and everything. Uh, one of the biggest parallels between Millie Alcock's performance and Emma Darcy's performance of Rhaenyra to me is to look at those two scenes and see how similar you see all of that boiling up in Emma Darcy's performance at that last close in of her at, at the end. And I know a lot of people may have made the meme of the mean mug face of Daenerys and, and Rhaenyra, you know, <laughs> Daenerys right after Missande was killed and, and Rhaenyra after finding out about uh, Luke. But to me, there's a stronger parallel in just seeing that anger, the, the tension in the body build up and the way that once that boar was in a place where Rhaenyra could take care of it, my gosh, that was scary. Um, and I felt that same kind of fear exactly at the end with Emma Darcy's performance of, of Rhaenyra. I, I'm just thinking, oh my 
gosh, what is she going to do? So that was my most underrated scene. And folks, once again, you can argue with us till you're blue in the face. Uh, and you'll make me blue in the face when you do so as well. Just tweet, hive, email, do all of those things. You'll have plenty of time in the, you leave YouTube comments. If you're watching the YouTube, the information regarding how to contact the podcast comes up often. Just check those. It's time to spin the wheel again. Yeah, I can't, I can't see that, Holly. What does it say? It says best scene. Best scene. Just two words? Oh. The best scene. Yeah. That's what it says. Best, best scene. So the scene best that you scene. felt was the best. Okay. Uh, John, your turn. The best scene. See, mine is... A, I, I have two scenes that stand out. I mean, and I think just because... I'm, I'm going to go with the slightly less popular, but it did get a lot of traction online is the vermithor scene i absolutely love that scene it's very um there there's depth but simplicity and there's a lot of like shadow and lighting that's very very good i think the most probably obvious answer for like the the favorite scene is going to be the uh amond and luke um Mm. battle um but for me i think um i have to defy the odds and go with the vermithor scene interesting i like it i like that choice holly how about you i thought i had the basic answer um but john just gave me hope that i didn't but it uh it's it's very it is a popular answer though and i think it was the best thing for me it's the thing i'm gonna think about all the time when i think of season one of house of the dragon uh and it's viserys's long walk to the throne the, a 20 minute Emmy nomination, right? There. I, yes. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it is really good. It's so good. Never before have you felt so much, just so much, just from a man like showing up and taking this really long, hard walk into a room. Like it, it meant so much. It meant so much to me. It meant so much to Rhaenyra, to everybody there. It's good. I don't was- have any words. It was very powerful. It was very powerful. And uh, that that's perfectly cool. I, that was one of the best scoring moments for me, for sure, uh, of the season. Probably the best scoring moment of the season. Uh, so I, I can applaud you there. Uh, I'm going to go uh, with what could have actually probably qualified as my most underrated scene, except for the fact that it got a lot of applause. Uh, simply because people were starving for battle, as they always are with television mm. show. Don't give me character. Give me blood and guts and fire and blood and all of that stuff. Uh, and I just thought that the whole end sequence from the time that Damon just gets that message and uh, takes the messenger out, literally kill the messenger, or at least he tried to. Uh, and then all the way to making this sacrifice, uh, you know, where he looks like he's going to surrender and he's really risking himself a great deal all the way through to the point where he's dragging a half of a crab feeder uh, behind him in the water. Uh, I just thought that that sequence, I, w- I 
had not looked at who was directing it uh, when I first saw the episode, when I did my initial reaction. Uh, I did the whole skip the intro sequence. I was already done with the se- intro sequence. And I said, I, I yeah, so I didn't see Greg Yatanis' name. And as soon as I saw this at the end, I thought, wow, Ramin did just this really weird, cool theme, really cool instrumentation. And uh, that all got me in the mood for it. And then I thought this had to be one of Miguel's episodes. And then I went back and I saw it was Greg Gatanis. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really just well done uh mr yatanis you you took a page from sapochnik's book and did it really really well and it's probably the moment that i became daemon more so than any other and not even for him winning and beating the crab feeder it was for him beating the messenger it was that smile right before he beat the messenger uh, that just made me think oh man i love this character i'm gonna love to hate him i'm gonna love to love him i'm gonna you know every every aspect of him because he's just all over the place maybe too much so but it sure is gonna be a fun season uh, once I saw that. So I thought that that was fantastic. That is my best scene for season one. What was your best scene, ladies and gentlemen, at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter. Use that same spelling for YouTube. Also, Matt's audio blog on Hive Social, mattsaudioblog.com, mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. I'm starting to consolidate all of my names, but I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, at any rate, let's spin the wheel. Where did it land, John? Well, everybody needs a good cry from now on again. So what scene made you cry? Oh, boy. This is one that's uh, uh, may have multiple, may be a multiple scene winner for some people. Uh, what did you what did you pick, John? I, for me, it's uh, the the death of Queen Emma. That's I mean, that that was probably one of the most memorable scenes. And I will never forget it. I, I didn't actually cry at any scene, but in terms of like the most emotionally evocative scene that really I mean, it was hard to watch. So and so it was really, really I would I guess if I was a little bit more in touch with my emotions, it would have probably been a little bit more of a tearjerker. But here I am, a calloused 21st century man. <laughs> See, you can get more likes on your Instagram if you just film yourself watching that scene and and just a single tear coming down your (laughs) eye. That's the way that you do that. Holly, what was yours? Um, I I only cried one time, even though there were a lot of very emotional moments. And even though I didn't cry for many of them, I did feel those emotions. But the one scene that did make me cry and like gasping really upsetting is uh lena's dracarising her herself Mm. moment with vagar Mm. that that was so rough and i think honestly john's answer had a lot a big reason to do with it you had that build up from the first episode with emma and like watching her go through her fate and then and then watching lena decide like no i'm not going down like that and then it's both it was both um empowering and tragic at the same time because I was, I was just 
I don't, how do you do that? How do you make that call? And then, and then have your, like your, your dragon do it for you. Ugh, ugh. I felt bad for everybody in that scene. That, that was really sad for uh Vagar. Yeah. It, was, it was just like I, I felt I understood Lena's motivation, you know. Absolutely. So uh but to see the way that Vagar resisted it, and one of the things um that the animators of the dragons has gotten done really well. Um and not just recently uh now the dragons have more character whatever but even that scene uh, at the end of season eight of drogon uh nudging daenerys and then getting you know sad and angry and then take burning the chair and then taking away taking her away um they have emoted the dragons so well in certain scenes and that was one of them that was done really well so i appreciate that uh that choice and now see i'm going to turn around and i'm going to say and just be honest and say that the one that made me cry the most was uh because i cry ladies and gentlemen i'm a softy i always have been a softy if that's what you want to call it i'm probably too much in touch with my emotions uh i don't sh try not to show it but I, I, as you probably heard me, nearly completely break down as I talked about uh, how Patty Constantine needed an Emmy uh, for that walk. Uh, between, because I feel music uh, so heavily as well, uh, between Ramin's score and that slow, painful walk, uh, I was just on the floor. Uh, you know, because it was so apparent that it was the last heroic thing. Um, and what, how wonderful for a character, how wonderfully tragic for a character that the most wonderful thing that he ever does is just be a good dad for a minute. So uh, that to me really got me, um, especially since I've lost my own father uh, a couple of years ago. And so that always hits me a little bit. And that's the one that made me cry the most. That's the one that actually made me like really cry and have to wait a minute and take a breath before I could continue the episode on HBO Max. So uh, there you go. Uh, no Instagram video of me. No reel of me doing that. Sorry, folks. You'll just have to take my word for it. Let's spin the wheel. This it says the four reasons scene uh of the season. So is is that the is that the scene that gets you all hot and bothered the most, Matt? Is that what we're debating? The four reasons scene, okay. the one that all got right. you most hot and bothered. Uh, that's Just, coined from our friend Kelly, who uh said that uh, I think it was during our brothel mates or whatever said that she uh <laughs> enjoyed a certain she he she nominated a, a certain pair of characters at a certain brothel uh for reasons uh so uh, mm. and has even brought that up before i mean i have no idea who she's talking about but you know that's just me holly who what was your four reasons scene this okay. season i mean i mean it's kind of like the the one man i guess i don't know i it's the brothel i i i enjoyed the scene at the brothel with the with the incest sickos yep niece yeah i know yeah. 
underage drinking, um, yeah, grooming. I mean, none of this is a good look, okay? This is all really bad. We all understand this is really bad. We're already and they made canceled. it. Then why, if so bad, why make it so hot? I mean, like that's what they did, and I'm and that's I'm not here to apologize for it. Actually, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, Kelly enjoyed it. I'm not alone, so I have nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> John, are you going to say Holly's always right to that one? I don't know about that. Oh wow! <laughs> I thought you had my back. So what was yours? I, I mean, I got your back always. I'm never going to say you're wrong, but I'm not going to say that's that. See, the four reasons thing kind of threw me for this categorizations. But I mean, I guess if it's the. Uh, well, apply like, four reasons, your own definition of four reasons to whatever. I, I mean, no, I'm going to follow the the person who's always right. Better, <laughs> better known as Holly. I mean, I'm not going to say that's the scene, though, but I will follow her definitions. And. I, it's it's probably this is not a conventional one, but it's going to be uh, tied to one of your scenes you mentioned earlier, Matt, which was also one of the scenes I really liked, but didn't quite come up to uh, part was. But this is after the scene you talked about. So the boar scene mm-hmm. when she comes back all bloodied uh, oh. and she shares a look with Harwin Strong. That, that 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 that's what I'm talking about. Now that now that is a uh, a strong man recognizing game game recognized <laughs> game right there. And I was I was there for it. Is that, that your, would that been your move? Would you would have done like the like the head nod like sup girl like from across the way? I don't I don't I don't, I, I don't break strong. bones. <laughs> I, I, but if I did. <laughs> No, I'm terrible. I, I I don't think I got the Harwin Strong game. I'm not that. I'm not that gifted. <laughs> you guys took my twos, my two choices. Oh um, man, Matt. Yeah, I know it's That's unfortunate. You did what you have forced me to do uh, is do the because it, it's not the f- favorite for reason scene. It's just the for reason scene. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Lara Strong's visit to WikiFeed. Oh, and uh, bring the cake, Matt. Bring the cake. <laughs> I mean, I'm here you for know, it. you guys, you guys are just way too. You're way too tame. We gotta, we gotta get into. Uh, Hell yeah! This internet. is a safe space, Matt. This is a safe uh, the, space. Yeah. So we'll we'll just say, uh, Laris, uh, Laris, uh, knew, uh, had had his browser open the entire time. And knew how to uh, check that out. What does it say, John? Well, not everyone can pick Lord Beesbury, but some that would would say that could be their favorite character, and that's what the that's what the wheel says. Well, uh, fortunately, somebody picked Lord Beesbury as their number two favorite character. Right, folks. We want to know what your favorite character is. Please, please, please tweet email hive leave comments on the youtube leave comments on the website i've said all of that stuff the if you're on our youtube right now then you're seeing all of that information in front of you and if not well you've already heard it several times so there's no reason to do that john who is your favorite character because i know that lord beesbury was only your second favorite right character. no it's sad the sad part is is I, I the number two just stood out so strong i already forgot my number one um but <laughs> 
isn't that isn't that so weird uh but i i mean ultimately and this is probably a little bit of and i think it's actually only improved i think my favorite character of the show is rhaenyra she's just so pragmatic and like real and she's i mean she's not honest to the world but you can tell she's like honest with herself and who she is and she's actually she's just like sentimental she's like normal like I mean, the only thing that's not normal is the incest stuff. That is not normal. But, like, she loves her kids. She cares for her kids. She loves her dragon. She loves her family. I mean. What's not to love, right? Right. Yeah. She's a very loving character. Just, I, Lord, Lord help the Greens um, after that last scene. Absolutely. Holly, how about yours? Uh, being agrees with John, apparently, this cat over here. Sorry about that, Matt. Smart oh. cat. <laughs> okay. Okay, I, I do really like Lord Beastberry, but I'm going to call him my favorite, like, small-time character, uh, like, little character. Ugh, rest in peace. We will miss you. You went out like a champ, though. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's Damon. Damon's my favorite. He's, he's my favorite. He's for all the reasons, Matt, Matt, you made some good compelling arguments for Damon. Um, when we were talking about the, um, something earlier with uh, his battle scene. Um, and you just, you already gave the reasons why he's my favorite character. So I don't think I need to say much more than that. Cause you I think lots that. of reasons have been discussed for reasons yeah. and we have four reasons. other reasons. He's got the best dragon. No, he really is just the most compelling character for me to watch. Um, you don't know what he's going to do next. And it just makes him super interesting. And just when he he just toes that line between good and bad, where he does like something bad, but then he either does something really good to make up for it, or he just is kind of like toeing that line. And and like, you just can't like hate him uh, no matter how much you try, but, and you don't, but it's smart to not love him either. Don't love him. Okay. He's going to break your heart. So yeah, for all of those reasons, he's my favorite character. Well, he's going to marry you and then he's going to kill you. What? As he did with his first wife. <laughs> Man. Uh, that's why you don't want to love him. At any rate, I love those. Uh, I had, I think, uh, tried to make a strong argument for Amond in our wrap-up podcast simply because I can't believe, I can't unsee that actor is my problem with that character simply because I know him as the the sh shy, nonviolent, but willing to fight for the right cause monk from The Last Kingdom. And then I see this guy who is the same guy and yet not anything like that guy. Uh, I really love that guy's acting abilities, but I think I'm going to save that possibly for a nomination for a later mm -hmm. award. I got to go Viserys, guys. Nothing represented the Hamlet tragedy or Macbeth or any of the tragedies, any of the Shakespearean tragedies. Uh, really well written for. But not only that, I think it was Patty Cassidy's approach um, to really sell that kind of underline um, that just made everything so compelling. Oh, I can read this one. Ooh. Uh, favorite acting performance. Mm. Favorite 
acting performance. And I'm since I already kind of started on mine, I'm just going to finish mine. Pardon me for jumping ahead of everybody else, but I'm going to go with Eamon. I'm, I'm going to go with that actor whose name escapes me. I'm so sorry. Uh, I know that his it, Holly is looking it up for me right now on the internet. I know she is. She's looking it up for me as I stall for time. Uh, but this actor is incredible to play. I've seen him and loved his character in two different shows, two different characters that are completely, totally different. And I would never have guessed that they were the same actor, except for the fact that it's just, it's so apparent that it's the same actor. I just love the just the horror horror that Eamon brings out in me and the the horror horrified four uh that the character from lost uh last kingdom brings out in me ewan mitchell as holly writes it in the doc for me as i try to stall thank you so much holly for bringing that out so that's my favorite acting performance how about you john favorite acting performance that's a tough one and i'm not even gonna bother to look it up like I had a joke answer, but I feel like we're being pretty serious tonight. I was gonna go well, with a, a joke answer. Okay, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna go with a joke answer, uh, the night of kisses is a fantastic performance. <laughs> Our dearly departed <laughs> Joffrey Lonmoth. Oh, like I mean, he. You want to talk about somebody who could take a punch? <laughs> that man could take a punch. Or someone would say you could accuse him of having a very punchable face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, I know that Holly has been conferring with Beans. Uh, what does Beans say the favorite acting performance is? Beans, uh, Beans has departed, but um, he wanted me to let you know that he thinks Patty. Oh, he came back. <laughs> he heard his thing. <laughs> What do you do, Bean? Uh, Bean really enjoyed Patty Considine's performance as Viserys. Uh, Matt, I think we just kind of flipped our categories here a little bit because your reasons for picking Viserys for our favorite were my a lot of my same reasons for Patty as the best performance. Um, and also just taking a character that um, before uh, we the show actually started, I was just like, okay, we just got to wait for this guy to die, for things to happen. And then like, he made it to where I didn't want him to die. I was sad when he died. And then he even wrote him dying like the whole season and then waited like so many episodes to do it. And I love that they did that. And he did it beautifully. Um, I, such a great performance. He took a character that was and made it something incredible. And that walk, everything we already talked about him. He's, he's so good. I'll just, we'll never see his like again. He was so fantastic. I'm so glad he was here and he got to, and he had so much fun playing the role. You could just oh, see. I know. It. Look at those back see behind it. the scenes shots. Of oh him my, not around. even that. I feel like you could see it in the performance. You can tell he is having the time of his life of everybody there. This dude came, he's like, I'm on a game of Thrones show. I'm going to have the best time of my life. And he absolutely did. And it shows. And I think it shows in the performance as well. So good. Loved him. My favorite actor. Best performance. It looks like we have least favorite character. Least favorite character. Least. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ooh, you want to tackle that one first? 
yeah, I'll be happy to go. Um, for this, this is just a character that I don't like. Um, <laughs> the character makes the bad, bad, like, I don't like this character. If this character was a real hu- person in my life, I would actively hate them. Um, so nothing to do with the actor or the performance or like, or even like how the character is written. I just hate this character. And it's Kristen Cole. Um, mm. He's absolutely the worst. The worst. Duh. The worst. Absolutely the worst. I don't need to say, I don't need to say any more than that. We all know he is awful. It was the worst, worst human man there is. Worst. Definitely has anger issues going on for sure. Uh, John, what about you? This is a tough one. I like all the characters for like their own little uh, reasons. And I love hating Kristen Cole. I love, I love. So in terms of a least favorite character, it's a little bit of a tough one uh, for me. Um, Actually, you know what? I just realized I, I, I told, I don't know how I could forget. Aegon the Elder is my least favorite character. (laughs) I cannot stand that little four four letter word i mean i thought what was funny is is i already knew going in i did not like that character like i already had like the thoughts and opinions but like the uh the portrayal of the young Aegon, him like teasing his little brother with the uh the strong boys and the pink dread and even him being ridiculous uh in his window for reasons uh, in the morning like I like it was like, OK, this kid's just kind of he's a little bit crazy. He's like a little bit of a kinkier Ferris Bueller type. And he's just bad. But then like you get to see how messed up he is later. And it's just like, yep, here's the character I do not like. My first inclination was to say Masaria just because I don't hmm. and not because I hate her. I, she's my least favorite character because I didn't learn anything about her. But actually, that's not going to be my least favorite character. <laughs> mm, I love it. Uh, that and see, I worked in a nomination, yeah. and that was against the rules, you wasn't see, it? You see how you cheated? And I cheated there. So adamant in the doc about and no, no runner-ups, no honorable mentions. Well, nobody else around here reads the docs, so why should I? Um, that's right. Read it and didn't give any honorable mentions. Go ahead, though. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you are the host of the podcast, I suppose. So you can do what you want. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Is it then? That's just, you've, you've, why, John? Holly's always right. But okay. I think since this is your season recap, I, I will, I will personally say you can go ahead and switch it up because I mean, people are going to be hanging out with beta breath for months and months and months going. Okay. Wonder what so, Matt's really least favorite character was. So, and you can't leave them hanging. You have to tell them. Well, John, you know, for his birthday, is requesting you to give your real answer <laughs> as his gift. Well, see, I, now, uh, I've, now I've forgotten. Wow, talk about a cheap gift. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your $5 uh, Walmart gift card. Thank you very much, John. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Folks, you tell me what my least favorite character was. Spin the wheel. This says best location. Look at that. I can read. Um, Man, I got glasses this time. Yeah. Well, I got contacts. As you can oh, tell. okay. Yeah, they work. Um, 
I've just I seen put them in. Paying attention. That's that's why if you were watching on YouTube, my uh, picture went off uh, for a couple of times. I was having to put wow. in my contacts. That's exactly that's why. That's exactly like, why it was happening. Because you couldn't read it before. Or, oh, so I, that does make sense now. So, yes. okay. I'm glad that, we got that. That's ex- out. exactly why it was happening. It's making my I eyes dry. I thought you were so lying to just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible that Matt could lie? Could Matt ever no. lie about anything? Uh, no. Always. So, uh, best location. Now, what I was thinking with this, just to clarify, is it doesn't necessarily have to be like a shooting location uh, mm-hmm. because it'd be hard to name those or whatever. I'm just thinking about what was your favorite set? What was your favorite, uh, you know, locale for uh, in terms of in Westeros? What place did you like seeing the most? Uh, this particular season. I hope that doesn't throw off anybody's answers. You can also give a filming location if you wish. Uh, Holly, how about you? What's yours first? I do, well, since you already cheated and broke the rules, I'm going to break the rules. I think this is the last topic on the wheel anyway. Um, so my favorite location location they shot would be uh, the Driftmark scenes, um, specifically for the funeral time, that episode after the time jump. Um and but for the other i really like it and this is people are might be mad about it but i like that there is a weirwood tree in the godswood um at the red keep and i like that there are so many scenes there i'm i'm for it um i don't care it's not supposed to be there it makes me happy and i lots of important things get talked about in front of that tree so that's probably my favorite like set that we see on a on the regular okay okay excellent john how about you well since holly's breaking the rules i'm gonna break the rules too yeah why not so like well for all the youtube watchers and for when the virtual background doesn't freak out probably when i'm moving my arms around or whatever else i'm doing uh the uh i don't know it's like the uh altar for our our best boy ever valerian is like i love i and i have some weird fascination with skulls is probably part of it but like i don't know who i have to pay i don't i don't know if it's ryan condal george r R. martin or whoever's running hbo now please give me the Aegon's conquest so we can see balerion on screen please i really 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 want to see that because he's massive, he's huge, and he's and he, he shoots black fire. It's awesome. Now the other scene is just Lord Corliss's uh, throne room on uh, high tide. Oh, that is amazing set. And for anybody that had problems with HBO Max like I did and trying to find all these wonderful behind the scenes episodes, they really like to hide them and not make it easy to find. So be sure to search. Um, dragon build and then it shows up because that's the only way i could get it to pop up on my hbo max it didn't pop up as extras underneath the episode nope. itself no nope. wouldn't do it interesting 
Yeah, it's crazy. Because yeah, I think that's the way I would access them during the week. Maybe they've changed something since. Yeah, for me, like select on the episode. And especially, I think it was easier when it was week to week because they would always be like the episode that you just watched and then there's nothing after it. So here's all the extras right here because that's what's next. I don't know. I would always get like the little, like the really short one that always just automatically plays at the end episode. Yeah, yeah. I would never, I would never get the, like the house that dragons built um option which is way better and it doesn't have the kind of like the wink wink nod nod kind of like fake allusions to what things actually meant in the in the episode where they kind of rebuffed almost like the next episode it's kind of crazy but no i because i i watched that tonight the episode on that um was so good on on the high tide that set is just it's that needs to go on tour. Like if they can actually put that and send that out, they need to, because those artifacts that they custom made, like we don't even get to see hardly any of them, but in that special, it's like you get to see them. It's so cool. Super cool. That is excellent. John, you stole mine. Um, Sorry, buddy. I would just second it, except for uh, the fact that somebody would say that I was stealing from you. So I will (laughs) just say the, I, I I will say the red key, the interior with the stairway, everything built out, all of those sets. Uh, mm-hmm. Rhaenyra's room, Viserys's quarter—they're all built off of it. It's all built into one big set, which is something else that you learn in the House of the with Dragon mm-hmm. built uh, episodes, uh, which are great for uh, a look at the creatives side of everything. Uh, as opposed to the story side of everything, even though you do get some dribble drabble about that from here from time to time. But the, the creative side of everything is just incredible. When I was on tour in Spain with James Armstrong back in 2016, 2017, somewhere in there, I got a chance to go to Plaza del Rio in Barcelona, where they filmed all of the Dorn stuff. And I ran around. I only had three hours before I had to get back to get to the bus to get back on tour. I ran around that place with a little digital camera, not my phone, but a little digital camera taking picture, 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 and then got back and said, Oh yeah. After I went through all of them. Oh yeah. There's two shots of what I got (laughs) of what was actually filmed. Wow. How cool. Uh, So to have, even just 20 minutes there, at least I know that I would be something that they were actually filming. I could pop in this door. I can pop in the next door. I can pop in the next door. I can pop in the next door. And then I can take a picture of the stairway. I can run down and run back and maybe even find the kitchen uh, where the little boy told everybody that Viserys was dead. I don't know. Maybe it's all there, uh, but a good portion of it is there. Um, I don't think that the secret passageway uh, that leads out of Rhaenyra's uh, bedroom other than the stairway down uh, is connected to it naturally but the rest of it is huge so that's my favorite location plus so much I mean what doesn't happen there everything happens there including a look at Wikifeed mm-hmm. one thing say, we, I was, oh go ahead I was just gonna say one thing we didn't mention but it was super cool and I can't not mention it is the painted table so those are your Holly Bleep Awards for season one of House of the Dragon. 
we've got we've got a couple of discussion points to work through uh here so let's let's talk about this one first susan brought this up to me uh and, and i think it was even part of a discussion of a prior podcast regarding rhaenyra's miscarriage and i didn't really put that much into the fact that the baby was uh evidently had scales and everything some people pointed that out i didn't notice it at the time when i watched it so i just kind of went eh, well, okay they're playing a tribute to the book or whatever but now when i think about this as susan had uh, quote tweeted out of context house of the dragon that's o o c h o t d on twitter <laughs> as long as twitter's still there uh anyway uh she quoted tweeted it and showed me pictures of what uh the baby was supposed to look like uh which you couldn't really see all that clearly on screen although some people evidently saw it a lot more clearly clearly than i did uh man that thing's got dragon scales on it it's got weird shapes on it uh now you could say she was only seven months pregnant there's not quite all the development there but not nah, dragon scales and now you couple that holly with those inner locking shots of the dragon Cyrex, I guess, uh, and her giving birth to this girl. Uh, do we need to rethink what that means? Because I just said it was the emotional connection between the dragons and Rhaenyra, or between Cyrex and Rhaenyra, um, that because she was losing the baby, that Cyrex uh, was reacting to Rhaenyra losing the baby. But if this baby has scales, uh, is that why the dragon reacted? I don't know. Um, and I don't know if I interpreted that Cyrex, that cut, those cut back and forth uh, between Rhaenyra and Cyrex as like her necessarily reacting to it or just, I don't know, like the dragon is awakening inside Rhaenyra because she's really upset because her father's dead at this point does she know that they're gonna I, I, I'm, just remind me does she know that they're gonna crown she already knows he died that she knows that he's dead and they're they're crowning Aegon. so she's pissed right and then she loses the baby okay sorry i had to just think about that for a second yeah um, that's actually what triggers the right okay the so so yeah i kind of read it more as like her dragon to quote viserys the not the third would have been the third had he survived um you know danny's brother viserys he's like don't wake the dragon i think i feel like that was rhaenyra's dragon was being awoken kind of and that was just kind of like a visual representation of that dragon of anger awakening inside of her okay i can accept that as well i just was wondering whether i had not thought this through enough especially when the first sequence of the 20 minute or so documentary the house the dragon built is entitled the demon baby what the heck's up with that john we, dragon I, demon i mean does, what does any of this mean does it mean anything i i think it means the blood mages have been messing with targaryen blood hence why we got dragon connections and dragon bonds that's that's all i've interpreted and then on the occasion they have dragon-esque babies and interesting how they 
It would be actually it'd be really cool if one of these dragon babies actually came to full term and became like an Five. adult. Yeah. And like you had like a, an occasional Targaryen with like a tail or a wing or like a horn or something. That would be pretty wild. Uh, but clearly it's one of those kind of I think. Oh, what did Miri Mazdur say? Like everything's got a cost um and you you pay for you can't pay for life uh without life sort of thing so I've, it's it's the whole blood magic thing and i think this is part of the cost the targaryens gave up to have this connection with dragons so that's also, my whole thought of it it also kind of looks like grayscale and i we know that targaryens are immune to grayscale what if this is like the targaryen mm. grayscale that they catch or can pass all pass down i don't know maybe i i don't know i don't know um because i like to think sometimes you know back in the day would they use like these magical reasons to explain away science things and even though there are magical things in this world i i always kind of wondered if like was it really a dragon baby or is it just like some weird skin condition that they didn't know what to call it and because they're targaryens they just called it a dragon baby or like whatever like so i, I was kind of thinking along those lines as well uh, as far as what was actually going on with the baby We've got another issue on here. Who brought this issue up? That was me. John did. What do you got? I'm curious on some reckless speculation. I know we've already, uh, we've reckless heard probably some... speculation. Exactly. That is literally what this is, is reckless speculation. But I, this is just my question for you guys and pretty much for everybody to at Matt on Twitter and whoever else and hive, you know, the things hit the buttons say the comments um how many yo. seasons are we gonna yes yo how many seasons are we gonna get and my and the only re the reason why i bring this up is is like i feel like we are now like getting back to a fever pitch that they weren't sure we would get back to so this story is a lot longer than some people i think are 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 i guess are alluding to because i've heard some cer certain things like certain kind of interpretations of the storyline and what it translates in the season i'm like i'm pretty sure you could drag this out to a 10 season arc if you wanted to i, I should you probably not but i think you could because there's a lot of filling in of the blanks that you could do yeah and i guess is like when is the when is the end point like like there's like do you, you could keep going like it's not necessarily right. so, but no, I was just that was my question because I'm I would think they they said like four or five, I think was the initial thing, and I think George said did George say seven? I can't. Remember. I don't remember how many George said. Uh, but he I do said know more that... than they were willing to. <laughs> okay, do. Uh, I know Ryan Condal and and Miguel Sapoznik for both Variety and Entertainment Weekly uh, had speculated four to five seasons. My argument for why you keep that is because you simply can't afford, uh, you're not going to get enough subscribers uh, to HBO Max to sustain something that long mm -hmm. at that high of a budget. Um, whereas you can make another one with a fresh start and maybe get a whole different kind of crowd into HBO gotcha. Max. Um, I, I like the projected four to five seasons, if I'm being honest. Um, 
I don't think it should go much longer than that. Uh, uh, just for, for the reasons that, you know, a, we've, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I think this, this is not like game of Thrones where game of Thrones can and should have been 10 seasons. And, um, and then it wasn't, I think this, you can get away with doing four or five seasons and telling the story and leaving room open for a new Targaryen tale in the future. Can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? Nightwolf Nim uh, said on our Beyond the Grave episode, uh, that was the one where Holly actually submitted a, uh, some stuff from Beyond the Grave. Uh, I'm still pro Damon. I'm all in on my problematic fave. I got to keep up the hope for winds of winter, but dream is a pipe dream. I'm skipping the new Targ book for the reasons you guys stated too much of a cash grab. I didn't know all of the drama regarding Linda until the day the book came out. Uh, I, we didn't get a chance to ask you this, Holly. Do you have any interest in that rise of the dragon book? Nope. Linda sucks. Well, that pretty much says it all. Excellent. I know John, you've already said what you <laughs> if somebody to say bought it for me. I would keep it. I would look at it. I would look through it. Am I going to go buy it for myself? No. But if like a family member got it for me for Christmas, I wouldn't like burn it either. You know, yeah. I do. I, I do. I feel bad for the artists and stuff that put their like work in and like that, their passion and their art into that book. Um, and I, I feel like it's not fair to them um that we you know a lot of people are like oh well we don't want to buy this book and therefore they're not buying their art so I think that kind of sucks for them and I would like to have it so I can appreciate their art but other than that I I've heard it's really not that much different than fire and blood anyway so what's the you know yeah not I'm not I'm not in a rush to buy it Dina says I believe the cut between Rhaenyra and Cyrix during the birthing scene sets up the audience's understanding for how emotionally connected the dragon and the writer bond is at the end. We can understand why the dragons act how they do. Arax senses the fight or flight mode of Luke and acts accordingly. We've seen Luke Harris act on his emotions and accidentally cuts Amond. Now, Eric's reacts the same way and blows fire at Vagar, not thinking of what this may mean. Uh, excellent point. You know what? The funny thing is, is that I think I made a joke, but I went back and looked at it, and, and Eric does actually hit Vagar in the eye. So that does seem mm. quite parallel. Um, I really like that, actually. I, I had a different take, but I, I, that's a that's a great that's a great interpretation of it too. And I like that a lot. Okay. Very nice. Thank you, Dina. And okay. finally, Nightwolf Dim and Jenny T liked the uh, blacks and green song, which we've been playing all season. Well, we played at the beginning of the season and then at the end of the season as well. So folks, that's pretty much going to do it. I'm going to take one last roll call here to see if there's anything else about the season that we want to bring up john anything for you this is a good one i don't think we covered everything because there's so much good but i can't wait for the next one and i can't wait to talk about it excellent holly how about you 
uh, just kind of briefly doing a rewatch. I know, and thinking about when we were podcasting on it, I know we were really hyped. I was really hyped for the first episode. I still stand by that. It brought us back uh, into the world. I thought it was great. Um, I thought all the the next few episodes were great too. Um, and I really love the younger actors and no disrespect to them at all. They were fantastic. They really were. But the back half of the season is way stronger for me um, overall. And I think, um, I think it's... We, we couldn't have gotten to the end without the beginning, but I really, really, really like this, the back half of the season. I think overall uh, it makes it it's so strong. I think it, it makes the season really, really great overall. So time jumps, weird, different, something we weren't used to. Uh, I think it, I think it kind of worked and it kind of paid off in a lot of ways though. So um, good job. Good job, team, team Condal and Sapochnik. Looking forward to more. Finally, Ramin was all over the place. I don't quite understand all of it. Um, it's hard to continually produce amazing Grammy-worthy content all of the time. But that doesn't mean that the guy didn't try. I mean, he he did some great stuff. I feel like that maybe some of the things that he had scored for um, were put in out of context without his knowledge or without his mm. um, approval. It's not his job to approve. It's the director's job to cut in the music wherever they feel it or not. And they tell the composer, you know, you go and you compose this for this scene. Um, and then they hear something else and they say, wow, I, I like that better. Uh, the problem is, is that Ramin does such a great job and a careful job of crafting continuity within his themes and within his music that when a director decides to change that, um, that's what makes Ramin seem like he's all over the place. It's not Ramin. I guarantee it's not Ramin. It's just that the context in which Ramin was used in this season uh, was a little bit disappointing to me. Not his compositions, just the context in which his compositions were used. So that's my final thought. Ladies and gentlemen, you will not get tired of me, will you? If I tell you about the fact that uh, you're not done with me and Holly yet this year uh, at all, probably not even at the beginning of next year. What? Uh, also, oh simply because uh, we've, uh, we're going over the double P for the rest of the year. What? Yeah, we have to work for Bubba. Uh, because why you know 23,000 views only get you $77 on YouTube, so we got to go over there and make him some more money for his oh. three mansions that he owns, uh, throughout the world. And uh, so we're going to be covering Holly and I will be covering uh, his dark materials, uh, as it appears in one lump sum on <sighs> BBC One, uh, starting December 18th. But we get a little earlier here in the United States, uh, starting just next week. Uh, December 5th, two episodes a week for four weeks. So Holly is so tired of already me already. Here. No, I can't believe it's already here. Oh my gosh. She's very Where's excited. As you can tell. Yeah. Ugh, I'm ready to I'll get, get your tissues ready, Matt. We're going to be lots. Of it's it's going to be a tough goodbye. It's going to be a long goodbye. The final season of his dark <sighs> materials is here and we'll be covering that for the double P you can find that podcast, the dust 
Uh, if you want more information on that, uh, feel free to tweet at me or at the dust pod on Twitter or Matt's audio blog on Hive, or you can send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com, or you can uh, comment at Matt's audio blog.com, or you can comment on the YouTube here and we'll point you to the double P media YouTube, which is youtube.com slash C slash the word double the letter P the word media all strung together. Please uh, check out all of their videos as well. And We'll we'll be there uh, covering his dark materials. And then we'll be back probably in January to cover the Crown season four. Uh, it's just a we're just waiting for it to not be relevant anymore, and then we'll talk about it because that's what we do around here. We wait until things are not relevant anymore. Just like you're getting the end of season one uh, wrap up uh, a month and a half later across months. Hey, it's only the Crown we are really on brand. For- for that though that's that's our off-season show well we did we did uh yeah that's our that's uh, we have we have traditions that we have to keep uh even though we've broken some of those traditions we have traditions that we have to keep uh as far as watching the crown goes it must be a new year before we can see oh, i already watched it matt I, I you watched the whole thing yes i did oh well we can start we'll pod be podcasting three times a week Damn it. uh now <laughs> Uh, no, uh, we gotta we gotta find time in Bubba's schedule. Uh, I don't even think he's done with eighteen ninety nine yet. Uh, but oh, I'm uh, not finished with that either. We gotta I gotta catch up. I gotta finish that one. Oh, I, I I am done with that. I watched that in a whole day, and I I'm 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 following the podcast on that one. So I have watched th- I've, I've watched halfway through. Okay, and John, and of course, is always you. podcasting about scary stories and all of that stuff on the Wicked Wild podcast. Uh, a great crew. Who's the crew over there, and what's the goal of the podcast, John? Oh, such a good crew. We we have our wonderful fearless leader Dave, who keeps us all online. Uh, one of my very good friends, Jamie from New York City, and our wonderful friend Zany uh, Campfire Tales, having Eli, who's in Pittsburgh. So we get on every couple of weeks and we chit chat. Eli makes up some sort of conspiracy theory about the tales behind the tales um, in between. But yeah, we're starting. And Jamie calls him out on it. Yeah. And then sometimes she follows him down those rabbit holes. And I don't know why. I mean, Matt, if you're following along and you're listening, thanks for your listen. Um, And sorry for any kind of crazy weirdness that happens there. We go places. But um, but yeah, no, we, we're starting season two is going to be starting next year, which is kind of crazy that we've been doing that for a year now. It's nuts, but no, we got a couple more before the end of the year um, recordings. They'll be out early next year, so it's coming up. A couple classics. Everybody should be happy. Wickedwild.com? Oh, Wicked. That's a great. I'm trying to remember the website. Um, just It's pretty much Wicked Wild. We are pretty much everywhere, um, and I want to say it is the, is it the Wickedwild.com? Again, Dave. It looks like thewickedwild.com. There we go. The home of the website. There's that logo that you cannot miss in the John's not in charge of marketing at that podcast. Oh Lord, no. (laughs) I I I can't I can't handle that. Well, I mean, how good is John at marketing this podcast? I mean, get out of here. I I don't I don't I don't have time for that. 
<laughs> yeah, he's too busy recording Wicked Wild episodes. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, we thank you for spending uh, this year with us here on Before the Dragon. We grew a lot. We grew a whole lot. Um, at one point, we were like consistently your eighth favorite or eighth highest ranked House of the Dragon podcast uh, on Spotify. I don't think we broke 40 on Apple Podcasts. Fix that. Hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Leave written reviews. Please leave written reviews wherever you get your podcast, if it allows you to do so. I know it's a pain in the ass now with phones. It used to be so easy with iTunes to leave a written review. It's harder to do that now. But uh, Apple Podcasts, figure it out and do us a solid because the algorithm gods need to be fed. See ya. <laughs>